Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. There's been a week off. We have recovered just about from the devastating loss from Wales and we are ready to get hurt again. David and Alan are back with you. Matt is on a holiday. I think he's in the Donbass region somewhere um, on halls, but we have amply replaced him with our part-time French correspondent, um, former Scotland number eight, Johnny Beattie. Johnny, how are you, man? Very well, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're very, very welcome. Alan, how has the last 10 days since the, the Cardiff loss treated you? It's, it's, it's been a tough 10, 10 days, if I'm honest. Big hangover, trip to Children's a and now struck down by COVID. But uh, the pod comes before my physical health, so I'm Absolutely. here. And bad things happen in threes, so that yeah. suggests that there's a good thing coming up next, obviously, with uh, with France coming up to, to Murrayfield at the weekend. Johnny, it's been it's been hard to miss you over the last couple of weeks. You've been working every hour that God gives you. Need to pay the bills, lads. I don't know what you <laughs> expect, but um, but just getting involved again, almost being back to being a fan, uh, loving the rugby or well, some of the rugby. Some of it hasn't been great to watch, um, but yeah, getting across as much as I can, trying to work as much as I can, uh, take in as many games and enjoy it like everyone else because it's been a long time coming with fans back in. So. It's been enjoyable. Let's just say the first week was stressful, um, but enjoyable at the same time. Come the last 15 minutes, the second week, not so much. Uh, so looking forward to something slightly different this weekend back at, back at Murrayfield. Absolutely. And what, what, have you made of, what have you made of Scotland in the first, first two rounds? We'll come on to talk, um, talk about France later on. 
I don't know, it's difficult being Scottish, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think that the, the first week, um, England were incredibly bad in many facets of how they played. Um, and I think that generally, if you give up 75% possession and, and nearly the same amount of territory to most sides in the world, you'd get a hiding. But we managed to squeeze out, I think we were in there 22, seven seconds in the first half. Um, and so we managed to, every time we we're in red zone, pick up points. And I don't know how we did it, but it was a smash and grab. But it made it exciting. It was great to watch England crumble the last 50 minutes with some really poor decision-making on field. But I think if that game was replayed 10 times over, we'd lose it if we gave away the same kind of stats that we did in that game. So um, it was difficult to watch for large periods. And I think that was evident for everyone in the stadium. And it was quite quiet because England dominated so much of possession and territory. But come the last 50 minutes, it was just great to see the crowd build and for us to come away um, and nick a victory in, in that manner. And then obviously down in Cardiff, I think the Welsh boys dug in. I think they needed a massive emotional turnaround after that humiliation in Dublin. Um, and I think that's exactly what they brought out the bag. It wasn't glamorous, but they just did enough to physically get over the line. I mean, it wasn't special rugby. Um, we coughed up ball. We weren't accurate. We gave away penalties at key moments. And that ultimately let that game get, 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 let that game get away from us. So weirdly, we won for the last time in Wales in a long time, uh, two years ago in Lanethley. And last year, Six Nations, we we came up short um, again against Wales and against Ireland, but I think margins are two, three points. We've done it again. We've lost in Cardiff by one score um, and it wasn't easy to watch. So really disappointing. Um, but I think for the team, they'll understand that globally, they'll need to be better in pretty much every facet um, and every aspect of how they play whether that's strategy, um, physicality, attitude, if we're going to win this weekend against France. Because the way they have been playing, the way they humbled the All Blacks in the autumn and the way they demolished Ireland last week or, or two weekends ago, and that the week before that was the side that we said, I think pretty much everyone watching them against Wales has said, body held this team and the way they rolled over the All Blacks in the autumn um, is probably the best team ball in hand, exciting to watch. Um, they've got everything and then France absolutely demolished them. So um, it'll be a huge weekend rugby for for our boys. Um, and I think they're going to have to be really smart uh, about how they go about trying to beat this French team. We've done it the past two times we've played against them um, and they'll have to do it in the same kind of manner. It'll be smart. So it'll be extremely well coached if we're going to do it, um, but it'll be difficult. I don't think it was the worst loss we've had at the Millennium Stadium. I don't think anything will ever top the the 2010 yeah mate thank match. you for bringing that up that's great <laughs> but but i was gonna say I, th- I think that's probably going to be the first time in the 21st century where we've been favorites going in and when i say favorites i mean the bookies had us as a as a slight favorite which i think just sort of added to you know there's a mix of kind of the momentum off the back of the england match the fact that this team is a bit of a Obviously, once in a generation but a lot of players who are kind of getting to their peak who are sort of once in a generation players yeah. for their positions and then, yeah, to sort of the manner of the defeat, I think, is just sort of really taking them, taking the air out of a lot of uh, Scotland fans. But I think the weird thing, and again, lots we made of Matt Williams' comments, um, what a bloke he is. Um, but I don't think that's, again, we have to believe in ourselves. We, we do have a crop that is better than we've had. We're better coached than we have been in a very long time. But ultimately, if you look at the player pool, the number of people we have playing the game at a professional level, we're way behind everyone else. So it is the best crop we've had in a long time, but 
I, I don't think the messaging coming out is we're going to win the, the tournament or we're going to be better than everyone. Is that I see this team now is capable of being in a fight and is capable of beating every other side in the Six Nations on their day. But on our day means that we have to get everything right. Um, like we still don't have the quality or depth of other nations as much as our quality has improved massively over the past 10 years. We're still not competing in terms of player numbers up against a top 14 in a pro day do or against a premiership or a, it's just not the case, but I don't know the Matt Williams comments, I think pissed everyone off. Um, and it's not, it's not how we think or we operate. It's, it's now, I think we believe as a, as a rugby nation that we can compete at the highest level regularly. Um, and again, we've knocked over one of the, the giants of world rugby, England. It's an absolute giant of world rugby. They've got over a million registered rugby players. We've got something like 28,000. Do you know what I mean? Like doing that is phenomenal. Mm. Statistically, yeah. it's practically impossible. But there we are, we've done it. And it's amazing. But then again, you go down to Wales. It's a big game of rugby. We've come away, we've lost by one score. Like we could have been humiliated. We've come away with much worse off before. Um, but again, I think that this team... And again, to get consistently to have the power, the strength and depth, the organization levels to beat teams regularly at this top level is a huge ask. But we've got a team that's capable of competing. And I don't think we're ever going to be a side that's going to dominate Six Nations year on year. It's just not going to happen because we don't have the, the player numbers. But we're at a level now with the talent we have, with the coaching staff, um, how well they're looked after, how well they're rotated out and rested. Um they're capable of producing performances that are the top drawer. Um, and ultimately that one in Cardiff wasn't one of them. Yeah. And we're, we're going to absolutely need to, to come out of that top drawer to beat this France team at the weekend. I mean, France, obviously two from two big statement win um, against Ireland. What's the feeling in France amongst the French public, amongst the sort of rugby community about this, about this team and their sort of their, uh, their chances for the six nations and obviously heading to Edinburgh, which is, I mean, have Scotland become a bit of a bogey team for France? That's exactly what they are painted as in the French press this morning. It is banana skin or bête noire, so black sheep. Um, yeah. uh, and I think generally the French are super pumped to have their team back. Uh, you know, last time they won this competition was 2010. And when you look at the players they've had uh, come and go since then, they, they've been a disaster really as a national team. When you consider the talent and the money that's floating around over here in the top 14, um, they haven't and punched their weight at all um, and they've been disappointing it's, it's almost been a poison chalice for a lot of my teammates um, at Montpellier or at Cast. you know happy during the week representing their towns doing really well and then oh crap we have to go to Marcusi and we're being coached really poorly and we look stupid and we get crapped on in the media and that's kind of been how it's been whereas now they've got alignment at the top level they've got two or three of the best coaches in the world and an arrival a talent crop with Antoine Dupont um, Jalibert and Tamak, Damian Peno, like guys that are X factor in abundance and they're excited. They're just delighted to have their team back. But I think the sort of wider rugby public is also delighted to have a French team back that competes at that level. When, when we're all growing up, you thought about French flair and the players that we grew up watching. We've got that back. So it's great for the Six Nations. Um, it's great for world rugby. It's phenomenal with the World Cup around the corner next year to have them as hosts. Um, and the French rugby public are really excited just to have their team back. But like this weekend um, is seen as a big banana skin because they realise that the last two times they've played against Scotland, they've come up short in a number of different ways and they've lost the game. So um, they understand now that they probably are favourites with the draw that they've had. Um, they've also had two home games, which makes it easier so far. Um, and it'll be a big test for them coming away to Murrayfield away from home. 
And what sort of um, is there any weaknesses in the, in this French side that you think Scotland can can look to exploit yeah. um, on Saturday? Yeah, um, <laughs> there's loads, um, and Ireland didn't exploit any of them. I think France now play, and they did it to New Zealand in the autumn. They play with a big blitz defence, um, so it's weird now because no teams really in pro rugby play with a blitz defence, which means they come out in with the wingers. The wingers kind of spot blitz and try and take out centres um, and they just leave the 50 metre channels so you know you had wasps in the noughties um, with Sean Edwards um, you had the ospreys in the noughties that played that way as well and so you got used to playing against that and, and you found different ways to, to break it down um, Adam Hastings actually had a really good game against France two years ago in this fixture uh, kicked them to death so you'll see loads of cross field kicks this weekend from Finn uh, finding space behind wingers You'll see Duhan, you'll see Darcy if they're starting, like basically sitting on the on the touchlines waiting for crossfield kicks, so beating a blitz defence. Um, you'll see Finn in multi-phase or even from launch, you'll see him chipping over that first wave of defence just to try and drop down their line speed. Um, I think Scotland will avoid a lot of contact in the midfield because there's basically no point trying to hold ball um, and try and run into frontline defence if it's a blitz defence and you're running into Cyril Bay, Julian Marchand and Paul Vilemse because they're absolute units. So I think you'll see ball, if they get into multi-phase, you'll see a lot of hitting that first pod of forwards and then ball being pulled out the back to Finn uh, and then Finn either trying to hit a pod in the middle of the field, they'll chuck it up in the middle of the field. It's really hard to blitz from both sides of the field. So if you try and take the ball into the middle and then force them to retreat and then get back into the defensive line and blitz again it's much harder and more tiring so there's lots of little different ways um, of beating a blitz or trying to play, play around the blitz defence I think you'll also see Ali Price box kicking a lot you'll see them testing um, opposition wingers sticking the ball in there making it contestable I don't think you will see Scotland kick the ball off the field at all they'll kick the ball on the field try and make France run for 80, 90, 100 minutes Um and also France are fantastic from launch play from set piece. So they won't want to give them any lineouts at all. So all these different little bits they'll have thought about during the week. Um, and Ireland didn't do any of these. Um, Ireland just tried to play Ireland's way and they got blown off the pitch. But I think Gregor is a smart cookie. I think he showed that he knows how to play against the blitz defence the way that he asked Adam to play two years ago. And I think it'll be very similar um, this weekend at Murrayfield. There'll be lots of different ways that they try and refuse the physical arm wrestle, um, kick um, to contest and shift the point of contact into the middle of the field to try and slow down a blitz defence. So there's loads of little different ways that you can do it and I'm fairly sure that's what they'll um, they'll plug for this weekend. Yeah, it's interesting uh, in regards to the Ireland game. It's almost like they came with sort of the Leinster game plan, which obviously works against 99% of all opposition, but actually against that French team is potentially wasn't the, the right approach and actually they weren't able to blast through that French pack and that French pack no. was more than happy to soak it up. Yeah. We'll absolutely blast straight back through you. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. I think when you've got like furlongs and your burns and your ball carries and your Ryans, you're used to achieving gain line um, and you're used to be able to move the ball to space and, and put the ball through your hands. And But then what this blitz defense, essentially the blitz defense, you line up on in defensive line, you line up on the outside shoulder if whoever you think might get the ball and you go kamikaze. Um, and that's how we defended with with Fabian at Montpellier when I was there. He loves a blitz defence. He admired Sean Edwards long, long time ago. And that's why he recruited him into his staff. Um, 
And he knew that South Africa won, I think it was the 2007 World Cup, based on blitz defence and, and box kicking in territory. And France now are much more pragmatic than they've ever been. And, and what we saw was France essentially making Ireland look completely ordinary. They had no, you, again, when somebody blitzes, you have no time on the ball, you've no time to decision make. You basically, all you have time to do is receive the ball and not get smashed. And that's it. And only maybe 50, 60 minutes did Carberry figure out that, look, if I shift the point of contact, if I get the ball from a pod out the back, if I make these guys um, work hard to reline their feet by changing the point of contact, we can move them around. And they had a little bit of joy in the last sort of 20, 30 minutes, but predominantly they were absolutely dominated physically. Um, and, and so and so that's what they did to Ireland. Um, but I think that Scotland, having had the time to analyse that game and absorb it, they'll come at this game differently. Um, and I think they'll have to be really tactical with the way they play. Um, it'll be a real team performance. It maybe won't be uh, like glorious running rugby. Um, I don't think they'll play at all in their own half because if you cough the ball up, France are so dangerous and they have so many strike runners and they're so comfortable on ball that they won't want that. So I think they'll play very little in their, in their own half um, and they'll try to cause absolute havoc with kicking game and making it exciting for the, for, the, for the crowd in Edinburgh. So look, there's ways of doing it. Um, but it's going to be really, really hard. There's certain areas as well. You have to just achieve parity and, and, and be in the game. Like we, we've we given away a few penalties at scrum time. You saw France demolished Porter on the, on the loose head um, in that Irish game. So we have to be strong up front. We have to hold our own at scrum time um, and at mall time, at line-out time. If we can achieve platform and, and get the ball back, um, we can cause this French team problems that being said, if we cough ball up or we're not accurate or we allow them a foothold in the game, it could be very, very long for us. So, yeah. uh, But that's what I mean. I, I think this team is capable together, if tactically we get it right, of, of beating anybody. Like, There's no reason of fearing France, but if we get it wrong, you could concede 25, 30 points easily. So, Christ. Um, <laughs> you, but, you're, but it's true. Yeah, no, you're um, right. I mean, they're that good. They, they absolutely humbled New Zealand. Um, they smashed Ireland off the, off the park and, and physically we're no different. So you have to be very smart about the way you play play together as a team. Um, and I'm sure Gregor and the coaching staff will have will have a plan together um, to try and um, beat this blitz defence. You've also got the fact that, I don't know if, it, if it'll help, but um, Fiku may be shifting around. Uh, yeah. A couple like Villiers not being there, who's been outstanding for me. He's been the player of the tournament so far defensively. Um, he's been phenomenal to watch for a man that was basically told he wasn't good enough to play in Federal 1 in Rouen in France yeah. um, because he couldn't pass, couldn't catch um, and couldn't kick as a scrum half. And he's gone off as a on the Sevens development programme and, and come back as this absolute monster. Um, but yeah, I, I just, for Scotland, they will have to be, it'll have to be phenomenal. They'll have to be excellent in ex- everything they do um, if they're going to win this game. So fingers crossed they can. Do you think it's likely Fiku will shift across onto the wing? I don't know. So French press is actually reporting that potentially they might move um, Moefana out there because Fiku has played there in the past, um, but he's obviously the defensive leader. He's vice captain of the side. Um, Jonathan Dante, I think, will come back in and play 12. So it's a question of if, if you move Moefana out to 13 or you leave Fiku, sorry, if you move Moefana out to the wing or if you move Fiku out there, but Fiku is probably a better defender, um, more central to what they do. Um, from launch as well and attaining go forward for that French side. And I guess probably the one that more heavily involved because he's so good defensively. Um, so, so I don't know is the honest answer. They don't have another specialist winger that they can bring in. Um, 
And again, it might actually work to Scotland's favour if Moafana goes out onto the wing where he's not used to playing and he's mm. in charge of blitzing. Um, or is that role going to be left to Fiku? Are they going to shift him? I, I don't know. But the French press this morning was saying that it's more likely it's going to be Moafana, but that could work to in, in Scotland's favour. Absolutely. And obviously, we talked about that. You talk an awful lot about that physical challenge and up front. Obviously, Gregor switched his front rows fully um, against Wales. Um, for this weekend, there's obviously the additional concerns. Rory Sutherland's now out. Yeah. Johnny Gray's now out. Within the sort of Scotland squad, who do you, who do you think they should be bringing in to sort of um, sort of bolster the, those sort of missing positions? Uh, I think it's well easy. Like Suds is out, so he, obviously Skuman starts. He yeah. shifts up and start. Um, He's been good as well. I've been really yeah, impressed. Yeah, he, he carries. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Very well against England as well. Yeah. Um, and I think Johnny Gray out, but you look at the way Sam Skinner has been playing, both a second row and at six for Exeter. Um, he's been excellent. You're not losing anything in, in, in physical stakes with Sam Skinner coming into the side and starting in second row. So that isn't a, a big worry for me at all. Um, but then hearing little bits and pieces of rumours that drop into our inbox throughout the week <laughs> of an international that... Looking at maybe Rory Darge getting chucked in at number six. Have you been impressed with him from what you've uh, seen of him so far? Love, love watching him. Um, he's he an absolute really, freak, isn't he? he yeah, he is. He, he's a sort of, I, I guess, the Glaswegian copy of Hamish. Um, yeah. But again, one of those guys that I love watching. Um, gets you out your seat, X factor, explosive power, can break a tackle. Um, everything you love about a back rower or a good back rower. Breaking tackles, good over ball, comfortable with ball in hand. No, I've absolutely loved watching him. Um, and we're blessed to have both him and Hamish with that skill set. Um, the question is, do you chuck him in? Do you start him against the French? Um, where <sighs> questions have been asked over Hamish's size and weight. I mean, would you chuck somebody like Bradbury in purely because he's a mute and he's massive? Yeah. I, I don't know. But the, the, the better rugby player is definitely Darge. Um without a doubt so again there'll be questions around line out time um, a lack of height already with Hamish not really an option Darge not really being an option either um, and then just mass like if you're going to compete with this French pack and not give away too many kilos at line out time mall time what do you do um, but long term if you want to play your own rugby um, like you want to get your best players on the field and for me he is um, a phenomenon. I've absolutely loved watching him for Glasgow. So I'm hoping he gets um, as much game time as possible. I was delighted to see him get his first cap the other week as well because I yeah. think he's going to be a real player for Scotland. So He's at least had a bit of a taste of that French power from those two La Rochelle games where <laughs> I, I think you, he, he did manage to sort of stand up. He probably didn't play his sort of best games, but um, he at least managed to kind of, kind of stand up and 
yeah, I guess it's just whether you think him and Watson could get much of the breakdown. They certainly could. Yeah, they they certainly could. But it's it's how, and again, Gregor might peg his hat on and say, "Well, look, we're going to kick the ball a lot in the air. We're going to contest in the air, and then we're also going to contest hard on the deck." And here's a guy that comes in with a bit of something special and can add that to our game. And what that does when you add guys like Hamish and and Darge in, it it generates that extra ball, that special ball, which is turnover ball. which creates absolute havoc and allows you an attacking platform against unsettled and unset defences. So um, I don't know. I mean, I just love to see him on the field. I don't know if he's going to start the game. If he's on the bench, I hope that he comes on and gets maybe 30, 40 minutes, um, a decent half of rugby. But um, look, he's excellent in essentially everything that he does. He's unfortunate at the minute. He's probably behind Hamish as the direct um, competitor for the seven jersey. But um, I've no doubt he will go on to win a handful of caps, like a bucket full of caps. He's, yeah. he's a real talent. I, but you're right in the sense that I imagine Townsend's going through that process at the moment about how do we ensure that we have parity in all those areas such as, as you said, scrum, line-out, even in terms of just mass, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that's like, also... I think I think scrum's probably the hardest one um, in that two years ago, we kind of got the rub of the green because Mohamed Huas got sent off and therefore we're scrummaging against seven men, um, which made it much easier. Um Line-out time doesn't worry me at all. Um, I think Scotland have got a, a really well-organised line-out. Gilco does a great job. Um, he took France to the cleaners last year in Paris. Um, and it might have been because it was pouring with rain, but exploited their mirror defence really well, called really well. Um, another area to challenge France is at mall time. They're good at setting up their own malls, but defending them, they're, they're, they're not, not as great. Um, and Ireland showed that as well. So that's another area that I think Scotland can try and attack. But it's more when you see the number that they did on the Irish pack at scrum time, you think Oof. you just have to, that is an area you have to get right. Because if you give them a sniff, like all they call in France is double shoves. They, they don't like, they're not even really worried about getting the ball out to play the back line. <laughs> they're just, they want to bat you up front and win a penalty and kick to a corner and scrum and, and, and maul. So the, the one area that I'm a little bit more worried about would be scrum time. Um, especially when you, you see Suds is, is off um, and you're down to another uh, body on the bench. Um, but I think that line-out time, um, Grant Gilchrist does an excellent job um, with his analysis, an excellent job with calling and figuring out opposition line-outs. And he was phenomenal last year in Paris. So um, that's one area that I, I certainly have confidence in. Looking behind the scrum, I mean, I think Finn is now so under the microscope that he gets, you know, criticized for sort of like even when he's putting in like a sort of six or seven out of ten which you think you know Wales wasn't his best game in the world but it certainly wasn't a disaster he sort of picked himself up big win for Racing at the weekends you know I think do the French players sort of still revere him they you know he he's this sort of is he in their heads at all do they know his sort of you know everything that he can bring to this Scotland team this weekend He's, the, he's in the top three tens in France. Yeah. Um, and he's he's insane every single week. And without being disrespectful to the Scottish, it's easier when you're playing with Gail Fiku and Vakatawa outside you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And a, and a monster <laughs> racing pack. There's a juggernaut that advances and tramples and everyone. Um, it becomes harder for him to play rugby in the Scottish side. I, I'd, I'd say that's probably true. Yeah. Um, but he went back to 
Rasen, again, he was phenomenal with Vakatawa. They were they were so good against Bordeaux at the weekend, one away from home. Some very, very good photos. I think everyone enjoyed in the change rooms after the game. Um, and, and that's just it. Finch needs to get back enjoying his rugby and, and bring his best this weekend. He He's the one boy that they will all be scared of. They know exactly what he brings week in, week out in the top yeah. 14. They know that he can unlock any defence, that he's got pretty much the entire skill set. Um, the ability to unlock things. He's got the vision. And if people outside him call to space, he executes. Um, and, and that's just it. So they know that they will have to defend really well outside them. Um, and that's another reason why I think they'll blitz everything. But they'll know that if they blitz, Finn is also very good with his chipping game. He's great at picking space, getting the ball to deck, getting the ball to center's hands over first defensive line. So he's probably the 10 that they'll be most scared of in the Six Nations Championship. But they've lost the last two times they've played Scotland for a reason because they've been undone um, technically and tactically by a coaching side and by a team performance that was, was up to standard. So they know, they know this is their team, their bogey team that they have lost the last two Six Nations games to, both away um, and at home in Paris. Um, and they'll be a little bit, not scared, but they'll be certainly wary of being undone by Finn and some of his magic. There's definitely, it feels like those Scotland players aren't going to be particularly afraid of this French team, given, you know, for a lot of those players, they've they've had a lot of success, right? Four out of the last six games, they've won, they've won the last three out of the last four. It's, and I think it's probably, if Scotland can get ahead and kind of ride that momentum, I think they could be in a really good place. But if they get a little bit behind, I don't have a lot of faith in the Scotland team chasing, especially with this French team. Um, uh, Certainly not the way, again, if you're chasing a score, um, you may be inclined to try things that you haven't intended to do during the week. And that's where you fall into French hands. Um, So you're absolutely like, it's a weird cliche. They talk about it here in France all the time is, is just starting well points on the board, shushing the opposition, but even more so with the Frenchies, like with their Latin temperament, if they feel like their heart's not in it, or if they feel like something's gone against them, they're quicker to down tools. Um, So if you could knock up like a 10 point lead against this French side and put doubts in their mind and, the crowd start picking up and make a noise and make it difficult for them, um, then you're in the game. Whereas if France start the way they started against New Zealand or they start the way they started against Ireland, um, it could be very, very tough indeed. Um, so yeah, the, the first 15, 20 minutes will be will be absolutely crucial. Um, so Scotland have to be very tight. But that's why I said, I, I don't think they'll play at all in their own half. I think they'll try and push everything back on France and force them to play and make mistakes. Um because they're going to have to be squeaky clean in everything that they do if they're going to beat this French side this weekend. Alan, what are the uh, what are the bookies saying at the moment? France by six last or seven, I, isn't it? La- last time I saw it was France by seven. Does that that sort of rings true to my gut feel at the moment, Johnny? Are you feeling feeling around about that, or do you la- this time last year when we spoke to you, you were the only man saying Scotland were going to win, and you said Scotland <sighs> by three. I wasn't far off, was I? I think you were. Um, I think you were bang on, weren't you? There we go. And and just to give you an insight, I know you guys do the match point predictor as well. But um, if you want to, if you want to ditch the thistle, you can come <laughs> over and compete against us. But ours is the low rugby is the code, and um, this is an absolute plug. And the reason I can do this is because we're absolutely shocking. So Benji Kayser, who's my comrade on our podcast, his fingers are so fat. I'm not sure he even understands what we what he's meant to be doing. But he basically had 
Italy to beat England last week by 35 points, which shows you how <laughs> crap we are on our podcast. Um, but I, I think almost the same this weekend. Like my, my head says France probably by seven. I, I think that we, we, we recorded our podcast yesterday as well. And I, I think I said France by seven, but my, like the Scotsman in me, in me when, when I get back to Murrayfield and I'm sat watching the game this weekend, I'm like, why not Scotland by a couple of points? Like, but again, yeah. it, it, they're comp- if they can be competitive in every single area of the game, if they can play smartly, hang in the game and force France to make mistakes, they've got the quality that if chaos is created, they can finish things off. Look at Darcy Graham, Hoggy, X-Factor players. It's there. Chris Harris is superb defensively. There's all the elements there, but you have to be on it 100% of the time with the Scottish side to beat these big teams. And that's where we'll have to be this weekend. So again, I'm torn. Uh, like plus seven would be logical. Um, and I think that's probably what the bookie said. That's where I'd be as well. But um, I still haven't set my match point predictor, but yeah, I'm tempted. Why not? Like Scotland by one or two points, nick it again. We've, we've done it the past two Two years, we've we've overturned them. We've turned them over, um, and and why not again this weekend? Yeah, if you do, if you do want to drop down from the Premier League, this will um, <laughs> <The gutter laughs> <time> predictor. <laughs> you can go for the rugby. You can, of course, I think, join more league, more than one league. So please do, uh, please do check that out as well. Alan, how are you feeling about it all? Not not particularly great, I have to say. <laughs> Um, is that just the COVID talking? I, yeah, yeah, mix of COVID and and, and sort of pragmatism. Um, <laughs> I think I sort of look back to even sort of last year, and it still felt and correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny, but that France were obviously improving, but still trying to kind of get their sort of game together. And I, I don't know, just from the outside, it almost feels like that on autumn internationals and that game against New Zealand and just kind of. DuPont and Intermac having a few and some of the pack just having a few a bit more time together it just feels like France are really coming into this kind of amazing period where they've got this group of unbelievable players at their peak in the run-up to the World Cup and I I just think France are going to be just a bit too strong with a bit too much maturity versus where they were two years ago and I think likely we'll will win by sort of between seven to 10 points. Don't think they're going to blow us away, but I, I don't think we're, we're going to have the pack or be able to get that parity, as you said, to be able to really sort of challenge for the win. I mean, I mean the other thing to consider is that look, I've talked a lot about the kicking game and I, I think there might be, France are way more pragmatic than they've ever been. They kick more than they've ever kicked before. Um, Dupont's kicking game is fantastic. But there might almost be a tendency as well. Like I've talked about taking the middle of the pitch away from them, making it hard, but you might just point blank refuse to engage in any physical battles. You might just be like, we have the ball, we kick it. Mm. France, try and play out of wherever we can try and go, like try and contest in the air, try and make it hard, try and scrap for things in one field position. But I, I, there's the weird areas that are going to come up in the game. So scrum and line out and mall will be pivotal. You can't give away anything you have to be disciplined but I think Scotland there might almost be like a well let's not even get into multi-phase which is quite a negative way to approach the game of rugby but let's just kick everything away which is what the Springboks do the Springboks kick everything away and they have the best stat in the world for retaining the ball after a kick is I think they get something like 35% or 40% of the balls back that they kick away within three phases and that's how they win games and it might almost be for Scotland well 
let's have a go that way this weekend. Let's just contest everything in the air, make it an absolute shit fight. Because maybe the honesty is that when we get into multi-phase, our pack or any pack really at this moment in time will not be able to cope well with the blitz defense with those type of physical athletes that they have in front of us. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch unfold. And that's what I love about this type of rugby at this test level rugby where you have Gregor Townsend up against Fabian Galtier, like two tremendous coaches trying to figure each other out with their chess pieces out in front, pieces out in front of us. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how Scotland approach this game, but it might almost be they just refuse to enter into the combat um, of trying to carry hard off nine. They might just refuse it and do one like hit legs, get the ball back, recycle and just contestable kick and see what they can do. But you're right, this French side is way ahead of where they were 18 months ago, two years ago. Um, they're constantly evolving. But what we've seen is fantastic defensive performances. Um, and, you know, coming up with big plays, turnovers, think of Damian Penno against the All Blacks. You think of turnover ball, the tries they scored against the All Blacks. You think of them crucifying Ireland every time they had ball in hand. And then ultimately don't have that much time on the ball because they're either kicking it away or defending aggressively most of the time. So I think Gregor and, and, and the Scottish side might just say, let's kick the ball deep or let's kick to contest and let's just keep the ball down and then force them to play. Um, but weirdly, France, like I said, they're more pragmatic than they've ever been. They kick the ball more than they ever have done because mm. of Sean Edwards. They've also got a kicking coach in, uh, Clock Villiers, who is working with them nonstop. Um and yet they're, just way, they're way more organized than they've ever been. So it'll be really interesting to watch unfold. You mentioned Gregor and, uh, and Fabian. Do you, could you have seen Gregor doing like the sort of TikTok videos that Fabian's been putting out this week? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, but that, Ben, that's the, I don't know. We're so straight laced back home, aren't we? But yeah. like some of the best bits again in the down weeks, like Fabian on TikTok with his daughter back home. Yeah. And Antoine Dupont is, his yellow the dressing, dressing gown, yeah, and I the love Fred, the dressing and gown. the Freddie Mercury singlet with a mustache for the GQ shoot. Like this, <laughs> this stuff just doesn't happen in, in Glasgow and Edinburgh and the borders, you know. So that's the sort of fruity side of French rugby that we love. Um, but the answer is probably not. No, I, I couldn't see Gregor <laughs> um, letting it rip on on TikTok. That being said, it's easier after a win. So if they if they manage to do one over Fabian and, and the French side this weekend, then maybe we might see a little bit of Gregor on TikTok next week with Finn. Who knows? I, I could see Finn in a big yellow dressing gown though, <laughs> on the front cover of GQ. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. The return of like, I just like his rig is becoming sort of like famous as like the anti-athlete bod. It'd be quite good if GQ sort of took on that sort of body positivity via Finn. It's class. But but then, do you know what? Finn's strength is, is mental, uh, it's yeah. technical. Even when he was at Glasgow, like like his nickname was Finn the Muscle Russell. Like, like it was just take the piss off because <laughs> physically he, he's not made that way. But it doesn't matter when your your strongest muscles, your brain, it's your rugby IQ, and it's the way you play and your decision making. Then there's not many of them kicking around. So yeah, I love absolutely. it. I, I think he's terrific to watch. So where where can we see or hear you this weekend, Johnny? Are you on, are you on comms? Or are you uh, what are you um, up to? I'll be doing the, I'll start with under 20s game for BBC on Friday night. Then Saturday, I'll be doing BBC Five Live. Um, during the game, I'll be doing BBC Scotland. They've got a long breakfast. Uh, yeah, in the they morning. do. That's been quite good, though. Yeah, looking forward to it. And then I'll be doing all the sort of corporate hospitality stuff at Thistle Suites and Rowan Suites Ooh. and the prawn sandwich. Stuff. I'll be hobnobbing. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I'm bringing Matthew Bastro, Yannick Josian, and Abdel Benazi over for a bit of hospitality. So, 
looking Bloody forward hell. to catching up with them a little bit of work hopefully a few beers in between and hopefully a Scottish win so we'll see Absolutely. Well, thanks very much for, for joining us, Johnny. Um, to the rest of you, we will be covering the squad announcement tomorrow on our social channels. So check us out on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And Matt, when he is back from his holidays, will be putting up together our newsletter that goes out on Monday mornings. So that's on Substack Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Get yourself onto your match pint predictor. Put in your um, predictions and win some pints for you and your friends. Um, We'll be back next week to hopefully look back on a big win. Um, But until then, cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.